You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Dude, how, when have you seen me eat fruit? <laughs> Even in jam form? <laughs> I don't like jam or jelly. <laughs> I love how you count that as fruit. <laughs> Haven't you seen The Simpsons? You got any fruit, Dad? Oh, this donut has purple in it. Purple is a fruit. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I encourage you to check out albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey. Helps us improve the network. Helps us figure out what uh, you like about the network. And then you can uh, enter into a draw to win one of three cash prizes of 100 bucks. Can't go wrong with that. Brazilian Ty, I'm Travis Curra. Ty, how was your May long weekend, man? I don't remember anything past about 8 p.m. on Friday, Saturday. Well, Sunday I remember because I ran out of beer. That's par for the course, I guess. Yeah, and I took my shirt off for like two hours and I complained how cold it was while it was over my shoulder. <laughs> and uh, we listened to Gloria about 50 times because we've hopped on the blues bandwagon. Yeah, how hard are you cheering for the blues? Uh, a little too hard after, as I can say safely say, after this weekend. I don't really care who wins. Uh, the Leafs didn't make it, so I'm a happy camper. And uh, mm-hmm. I like I like the villain, so I'm a fan of Brad Marchand, and I would not be mad if he was hoisting the cup just to see all the whiners on social media. No, it, it would not upset me because I have six Bruins in my hockey draft as oh, well. Yeah, well, yeah, they made it all the way, so that helps you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm only forty points back. Oh, <laughs> good I luck, also buddy. had six flames. Remember. <laughs> Uh, I went on a massive road trip uh, back home to Yorkton, Saskatchewan for the May long weekend. And my cousin lives in Theodore, introduced me to this Chinese restaurant in Kenora, which is about ah, 25 minutes north of Yorkton. And I have to tell you, man, whoa. And I don't know what it is. What is it about small town Saskatchewan and these amazing Chinese joints? I have no idea. There's one in Macklin that is phenomenal. Uh, you know, when I was working down in I, I Estevan's not like a small town, but uh, when we there was a Chinese place right next to our hotel room, it was we ate there every second night. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it's just a staple. What, what's the item you can't go without? Oh, ginger beef for sure, uh, and and the dry ribs. Yeah, I have to tell you, the ginger beef that they did in Kenora was incredible. The the one in Estevan was ginger chicken, and you could pick mild, medium, or hot. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so you paid for it the next day at work in the (laughs) middle of a canola field. So the one in Kenora, you know how a lot of times you get the ginger beef, and it's basically pure breading. Like, what is this about beef? (laughs) I love that, though. That's my favorite part. (laughs) This one was actual beef. You know, the the chunks of beef you get with the beef and broccoli, it was that, mm-hmm. but thicker with the ginger sauce. Oh, 
I am drooling right now. I say we go on a road trip and hit up as many of these joints as we can this summer. Well, when we go from a long, do we just take the long way to Regina then? For Labor Day, we take the really or long Labor way. Day. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, we have to book a couple days off. <laughs> this will be awesome. In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out podcast. Well, somehow we start every show talking about food, so that does not change anything. I guess the biggest news from this past week is that Wednesday it was announced that the CBA has officially been ratified. I believe it was 74% of CFL players uh, voted in favor of it. So, I mean, it was a pretty good chunk of players that were okay with it. But this announcement did not come before some drama over the long weekend. And it's really hard to unpack what happened here. I was actually at this Chinese restaurant when I saw the tweet from Tony Washington saying, hey, it's official. The CFL players are actually going on strike. It looks like, from my point of view, that the owners pulled some shady dealings here. They got all the players to training camp. They put them up. They were ready to... You know, hit the field the next day. And then they tried to go back on some of the language in the CBA. And as far as I can tell, it had to do with the basically the American veteran ratio that they had put in. Uh, I don't know what was messed up about it, but some of the language in the past CBA basically allowed the owners to hold back bonuses this offseason. So good for the players for standing up and saying, hey, I know that we're here. I know we're going to have to pay for all of our lodging and our food if we're on strike, but no, you're not going back on it. We will go for the original deal, and that's what happened. But there were some tense moments Saturday night. And, yeah, super shady and like an underhanded business tactic. Uh, I get it. Uh, not going to lie, I do the same stuff in fantasy sports. I know it's hard to hard to to compare the two, but you know the the, the owners are, are businessmen. They're trying to get the best deal for themselves as, as much yeah. as the players are. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, they were fully prepared to strike. And the CFLPA had money uh, set aside. I don't know how much, uh, but to help players travel home. Because uh, on a 24-hour notice, it, it's really hard to to get bookings and they get more expensive. So the PA had money set set aside for the players that were in training camp in case this whole deal fell through again. So it, it's really nice. To, and like you said, 74%. You know, it's a pretty united front. Uh, I would like to see that number a little higher. Uh, but yeah, it kind of makes the owners look a little petty. Uh, and, and like is like the way stuff was worded and the language in it, uh, but I totally understand. They're just trying to get the best deal. Uh, probably not the best way to go about it by any means, but I, I get it from both sides. Yeah, and obviously there were some teams that weren't legally allowed to strike on the first day, but Rob Maver sent out a tweet uh, saying to Winnipeg and Hamilton, and it was a gif of uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah, and... It looks in the great like, Gatsby. Yeah, and it, it looks like basically the Bombers and the Ticats were going to show up and 
just stand tall and <laughs> they were going to do nothing. They were yeah. going to be Brazilian tie at work. Yeah, they were going to show up to work and do nothing. <laughs> uh, so it, it was crazy on Saturday night with all of the misinformation and or <laughs> any information. It was crazy. It was coming from both sides, but I'm mm-hmm. glad we got it figured out. A three-year deal uh, that is going to expire when the new CFL uh, TV deal expires with TSN. Uh, you weren't on last week. What overall did you think about the CBA? I'm, I don't know about this whole American veteran ratio thing. I almost feel like it's going to create another artificial cap. Um, I, I do. I do get why I think it's going to be another step towards them lowering the Canadian ratio as well, um, which I, I don't think anybody really wants to see. But at the the owners now being on the hook for medical and stuff like that is it, something that needed to happen. I don't think it was going. To, I don't think this was going to be ratified without that happening. So I think that's a huge step for the PA. And you know, it, like I said, seventy four percent. We're we're going to have football, and in the long long term, I, I think that that's a benefit because I mean, a year off or or a, or a labor stoppage where we have a shortened season isn't going to benefit anybody. Yeah, that I, I've thought a lot about that uh, American ratio, and I started thinking, what what teams don't have that many vets anyway? It, it just kind of seemed a bit like lip service, mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, or you know, you know, just something thrown in there, throwing them a little bit of a bone. I don't know how many teams there are that don't have that amount of players that have been in the league for four years or with that team for three years, but I can see why the players would want something like that in. And I, I think the revenue sharing is big for them. The, the cap's guaranteed to go up yeah. 50 grand each year. And I believe the TSN deal right now is worth 40 million. So if Ambrosi goes to Mexico and Finland and whatever, and he gets these small deals, I, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a number five, ten million dollars. The players, I guess 20% of that gets added to the salary cap divided by nine. So if a $5 million mm-hmm. deal, $5 dollar deal comes out, then the cap's going to go up by $100,000. So, I mean, some are pretty skeptical that he's going to keep his promise doing that. But I think right now we have to take him at his word and take the owners at their word. And I think that's big for the players. Absolutely. It, it it definitely is, um, and you know, like with this CBA expiring when the new or when this current TV deal expires, uh, you know, if they can get that TV deal done, and it, I, I would assume it's going to be higher. Uh, you know, it, it's very rare that a TV deal goes down in value. Uh, you know that that's going to affect the salary cap as well with the new negotiation. So it, it could it, it could potentially keep rising. Uh, that being said, I don't think that players will get paid necessarily more. Like the minimum will go up, but the, the, your top-end guys are just going to make more money now. Uh, but that may be enough of an incentive to keep guys around for maybe an extra year or two before they go and try their hand at the NFL if they think they can make it. This is a real interesting TV deal. 
Because if it's only TSN bidding, why would they mm-hmm. up the number? Uh, but the only thing I can say with Halifax, or sorry, at the Atlantic Schooners, does TSN, I know they've got five channels, uh, and you know the same thing plays on all of them. Uh, do they have the infrastructure to, to to play five games a week, and you know have the play by play teams and the guys for the panel and and the time to to do all that? Like I could see where you know maybe Sportsnet can jump in and grab one or two games a week, or CBC like it used to be, uh, you know, and that that could create a little bit of a bidding war and, and maybe have two contracts uh, at the same time. I, I don't know. Uh, I know TSN is. I don't want to say stepped in and saved the league, but they stepped up and, you know, gave this league, signed the deal. And, and, you know, we have every single game on TV, which wasn't the case before. Uh, but I just, if, if they get to five games a week, I just don't see how it, I don't, I don't see how, how TSN could do it. Like I'm trying to think of play by play teams that they have. And, and, you know, Thursday night football, Rod, Rod Smith had to do games because they just didn't have a third team. So, um, and so that's the only thing I can see where why it would po- possibly go up. Also, you know, the the value the value of the Canadian dollar is going to move at some point, and it's going to go higher. Uh, and and you know, all these contracts are going to have to just follow suit. Um, and with it with it expiring, Sportsnet wants it. Sportsnet can make a bid at it because they, other than the Jays, they don't have any other programming really during the summer. Let's uh, talk to uh, let's talk about some stuff that's been happening on the field. Let's go team by team and quickly go through each team as training camp gets underway. We'll start with the Alouettes, and they made uh, an interesting move before camp got underway. Veteran receiver Ernest Jackson was released, and I don't know if I'm all that surprised because he has kind of struggled, mm-hmm. especially last year. But I mean, look at the quarterbacks. He was playing with, but I see the moves that this team has made. And now I'm really wondering, they have to be in contention for second in the East. I know everybody's kind of saying, well, Hamilton has a first place in the East locked up. And that's a dangerous game to play with injuries and no games have been played. But the Owls, their biggest question mark to me is the quarterback position and the offensive mm-hmm. line. But they've made some great moves. They bring in Siante Evans, who was with the AAF after playing 14 games with the Stamps last year. He had an interception in the Grey Cup. So they've got him in the secondary with Tommy Campbell. The the Owls have made some really good moves on the defensive side of the ball. Don't forget Taylor Loeffler, too. Well, yeah. If, If Antonio Pipkin can build on anything that he did... Last year, I think the Owls, I don't know, could they surprise some people? I, I think they for sure could. Uh, I think it's, I don't want to call them, say that they're going to be like the Rough Riders, but I think early on in the year, their defense is, is what's going to keep them in games and, and win them some football games. Uh, and if Pipkin, like you said, can build on what he did last year and turn into a number one quarterback in the CFL and the offense catches up, they they could, they could, they could potentially catch Hamilton and, and be in a battle for first, you know, late in the year, and and you know, definitely, I think they are for sure in contention for second uh, with Toronto. 
They've got Jeremiah Johnson there and William Stanback, who mm-hmm. I think is poised for uh, a breakout season. But they, they have some young receivers as well. B.J. Cunningham is still there. T.J. Graham, uh, Malcolm Carter, and Devere Posey signed there as well. And you know what? They, they, they drafted some talent. The Alouettes are going to be an interesting team to watch this year. I really just hope that the off-the-field stuff doesn't create a bunch of distractions there. But it mm-hmm. looks more and more like Vincenzo Guzzo, who you might recognize the name if you watch Dragon's Den, could be the new owner of the team. I guess he was recently seen with uh, Randy Ambrosi. He's been on Twitter retweeting Alouette stuff Non-stop. He's got a pile of cash. He owns uh, movie theater chains in Quebec. Man, I feel like some cross-promotion stuff here, and he's got ties to football. This might be a, a good thing for the Alouettes. I don't know how true it is, but mm-hmm. uh, Arash Madani was on Sports Cage in Regina last week saying that uh, I think it was Eric LaPointe's group was promised that if they buy the team, the Alouettes would be able to bypass the coaches and managers cap and talk to every coach in the CFL, which to me was a load of crap. Like, how 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 many more handouts do we give these teams? Two things. I don't believe a word that comes out of Arash's mouth. And two, if that is true, then what are we doing? Like, you're you're basically just letting them pillage and pillage the rest of the league and and create a coaching staff and, and, you know, get basically, like you said, a handout and kind of whatever they want. But... Is LaPointe going to keep Ed Hervey there? Because if he does, or not Ed Hervey, sorry, Cavis Reed. So let's say, best case scenario, LaPointe, the LaPointe group gets the team. They get all of these concessions from the league to do what they want, but they leave Cavis Reed in power. They're going to be right back here in two years anyway. It was just a bizarre scenario. I, I, I don't know yeah. where that would come from. But, I mean, <laughs> the Bombers deny the riders. Uh, a, a chance to talk to Paul Lapolis mm-hmm. by going through the the legal channels, if you want to call it yeah. that. But the Owls would just be allowed to that. Like, they, I, I don't see that going through without being having a vote on it. Yeah, and I think every team in the league would politely tell Randy Ambrosi and the Montreal Alouettes to shove it. Could they do this with the Scooters? <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't even know if we can uh, say that they won't. They they might have a coach's draft. Who knows if they ever come into the league? Oh, man. <laughs> why, why do you do this to me? Like, <laughs> Some people just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> like, I'm already in poor enough health. I don't need a higher freaking <laughs> blood pressure. <laughs> uh, the Alouettes also signed Canadian quarterback 
Chris Merchant. I, I'm surprised the Argos didn't get into the game on Chris Merchant, but it's cool to see that. <laughs> they don't have any room for him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and he will count towards the ratio if the Owls get him into games mm-hmm. this year, but it's nice to have another Canadian quarterback on a roster anyway. Yeah, and you know it just goes to show that, uh, I guess, U-Sport, I was going to call it CIS, uh, you can develop guys who are who can get a chance uh, you know, and, and we haven't had a Canadian court, like, I guess, Brandon Bridge, but like a a guy who is going to start 18 games and, you know, win a Grey Cup uh, for, like, before we were kids. So, uh, you know, this is a, a great step. And like you said, the ratio thing now uh, is not going to, I don't know if it really deterred teams, but it didn't give them an incentive to, to develop a Canadian quarterback. So that could, that can really be a big asset uh, for Toronto. For sure, because they have 800 Canadian quarterbacks on the <laughs> roster, and now Montreal with Chris Merchant. All right, let's go to Ottawa. Now, I believe if the Owls had Ottawa's coaching staff, then they would be really dangerous uh, in the East Division. But Rick Campbell says it was just a formality as uh, Dom Davis took uh, first-team reps at quarterback on Monday but does he have the inside track as a starting quarterback over Jonathan Jennings? I hope not. From what we saw in the last couple of years, it's no. But the way Jonathan Jennings has played the last couple of years, it'll be a battle. But I don't think he's an incumbent. I mean... He can't be. We... Again, they, they haven't hit the field yet, but... The Ottawa Red Blacks offense took a beating. Yeah, well, who's Donovan? Who's who's Davis going to throw to? <laughs> well, how, how many targets can Brad Sinopoli get a game? He's going to set a new record. <laughs> he might. <laughs> he totally might. I mean, R.J. Harris came on last mm-hmm. year. Uh, he's probably going to become a bigger. Uh, focal point of the offense. Caleb Hawley signs there. Ryan Lankford is there. By far and away, it is Brad Sinopoli as the number one target. But then you look at running back as well. William Powell was such a big part of that team. And I'm kind of wondering, do the Red Blacks go Canadian at running back? Um, Moses Madu is there. He's had injury problems. He's been there a while, but... I don't think it really hurts if they go with Brendan Gillanders or Greg Morris at running back. As much as I love Moses Madu, um, yeah, it's Gillanders and Greg Morris are just as good. Uh, well, yeah, maybe, they probably if are not maybe a little better, and you know it, it adds depth, and you have you have the Canadian factor as well. So that that is a distinct possibility in Ottawa for sure. Whew, that Ottawa offense is just uh, pretty hard to look at. They even took shots on the offensive line, of course, with Sir Vincent Rogers mm-hmm. going to Edmonton. So it's, I think it's going to take a while for this group to come together. And I know they've got the coaching staff, and I will uh, love Rick Campbell to the end of time. But, man, there there might be some rookies on that offensive line there. But they, they do still have talent there with Mateus and McMillan and Lazon Sagan. But uh, mm-hmm. Evan Johnson might step in. And, hey, they, they drafted the, the rookie Alex Fontana. I, I just remember last year when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defensive line was just crushing everyone. And then the Red Blacks were able to limit 
Jefferson and Hughes when they rolled into Ottawa. So you never know. The, the offensive line might be able to surprise people this year. And like you said, there's going to be they're going to have their rookie growing pains. But with this coaching staff, that you know Ottawa is just I don't know what it is, but they find these guys. They're almost like Calgary. And I'm not saying that they're as good as Calgary because I don't really I don't think they are. But the coaching staff they have in Ottawa is so good that it seems like the rookie growing pains are minimal. And and they just they find guys and they create a system that works for the players they have on that offensive line. And like you said, they shut down Jefferson and Hughes last year, which almost nobody could do. And you know that's just going to help these kids grow, and they still have a couple couple vets in there that that'll help out too. So I I just don't I I honestly don't see them competing for a playoff spot, but I don't think it'll be a, five, a three four five year kind of thing. I think it's just going to be this year is going to be getting the experience, and then with the coaching staff, if they're able to keep it together, uh, you know they'll be back in the hunt next year. We'll see some new names uh, on the defensive line, but at least the secondary there, there's a lot uh, going on from last year, and they bring in Chris Randall too. So Jonathan Rose is there, and uh, Sherrod Baltimore and things like that. So the secondary should be okay, but uh, a lot of other positions still need to be figured out in Ottawa. Let's go to Toronto, a team that has made a lot of moves this offseason, and... They kind of surprised me by releasing two, two veterans. Bear Woods being gone means there's going to be a battle at linebacker in Toronto. I know I love Bear Woods, but the injury issues uh, have not been kind to him. And they also let go 11-year veteran right tackle Chris Van Zyl. Two great cups with the Toronto Argonauts. And they ended up releasing him and signs with the team we're going to talk about next. But they make some signings as well. So maybe they wanted to get a little bit cheaper. They bring in Josiah St. John, former number one overall pick with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who last year performed well. But I guess his agent, Jonathan Hardaway, wanted a proven starter money in the offseason. The Riders didn't want to give it to him. Toronto is willing to take a chance on him. They signed kicker Tyler Crepinha, who was let go by the Riders after... Uh, Lowthers, uh, <laughs> you know, rise mm-hmm. last year. Uh, they've signed defensive lineman Freddie Bishop the third, who was uh, in the CFL with Calgary and had just spent three years with the New York Jets. And they've announced James Franklin as their starting quarterback going into the season. And I know there was a lot of drama surrounding that position last year after Ricky Ray went down. So that's got to be big for the young pivot. Uh, it's huge. You come into camp as a starter. You're getting number one reps. You're 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 getting the majority of the reps and with the number one unit, uh, you know, and create that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Chemistry. Boom. Got it. Uh, you create that chemistry early on in camp, and you know he's got Darrell Walker there, who he was with in Edmonton. They already kind of know each other. Uh, so if they can get off on the right foot and get a good start early in the in the season. Uh, you know, we could be looking at at, a, at an East division that isn't going to be complete. I don't want to say garbage because that's kind of mean, but it that hasn't been up to par with with the West division the last couple of years. They made a lot of signings. Kevin Fogg mm-hmm. is now there. Toby Antigua is in Toronto. 
So if they can bring these guys together, maybe it actually is a three-team race in in the Eastern Division. I know, oh, I know they got Sean Lemon back and Cleon Lang, so they've got some. They've got some players that mm-hmm. that can make a and Micah Awe. I mean, the defense was brutal last year. Now they've got some hard hitters that will make you make you pay. But I mean, Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton. There, I, I don't want to write off Ottawa, but there might be some nice competition this year in the East. And don't write off the special teams either. They lost three games in four weeks on missed kicks. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Fogg can flip your field position on returns. Uh, so, you know, you, you take a look at that, and Toronto's all of a sudden in a playoff spot last year. So, uh, you know, these little moves, like I know signing a kicker doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but when you look at what happened last year and some of the way they lost games, and it was just it's like they, the games they shouldn't have lost, uh, It you know, all these little signings and, you know, adding guys here and just filling a little hole here uh, has really – Looked like looks like it, it's going to be very beneficial for the Argos. Let's go to Hamilton, who end up signing Chris Van Zyl through 2020. I liked uh, Simone Lawrence welcoming him to Hamilton. These guys have played against each other uh, for a while with a box of Timbits. That'll go a long way to repairing that relationship with the big guy. Depends on what kind they were. Well, <laughs> do you go for the jam-filled ones? Because I'm not a fan of those. No, dude, how, when have you seen me eat fruit? <laughs> Even in jam form? <laughs> I don't like jam or jelly. <laughs> I love how you count that as fruit. <laughs> per- haven't you seen The Simpsons? You got any fruit, Dad? Oh, this donut has purple in it. Purple is a fruit. <laughs> okay, honest. When's the last time you had some fruit? Oh... This is scary. About three weeks ago, I think I had an apple. Okay. Okay, I had some apple pie over the weekend. I had some uh, sweet and sour sauce, which has pineapples in it, so I'm counting it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. We we didn't take any fruit to the lake. <laughs> uh, Ty's like, oh, I had a fruit roll up when I was nine. Oh, actually, we had a fruit. We had fruit roll ups on the quad trail. <laughs> There you go. And Teddy Grahams. <laughs> okay, more about Hamilton. We <laughs> talked about Ottawa possibly going Canadian at running back. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where the Ticats are going. We talked to Marshall Ferguson about this a few weeks ago, and I know they have Cam Marshall, but defensive back Jackson Bennett has changed positions to running back. They have Sean Thomas Erlington. They drafted uh, Malik Irons as well. It looks like all signs point to the Ticats going Canadian there. And if they can, that opens up a position somewhere else, uh, you know, where they can, whether it's on the offensive line or they're able to get, uh, you know, a middle linebacker, or a, not a middle linebacker, but a, line, a linebacker that, that can, uh, you know, Larry Dean leaves a big hole. He does, let's, yeah. Let's let's not forget about that. So that, like, there is holes to fill here, and if they can get a Canadian spot at a non-traditional position, that's going to open up a lot more op- or a lot more options for them uh, at, in holes where they need it. Yeah, they signed a Justin Tuggle at linebacker from mm-hmm. Toronto, 
And also Lucas Waka has been there. And uh, talk to Josh Smith from Podsky Wee Wee and 3 downnationcom He's been playing special teams there. Maybe it's, it's his time to step in and take over for Larry Dean in the middle. Receivers going to be another interesting spot, I think, in Hamilton. Jalen Saunders is now gone. And they had some guys come on last year, late in the year that uh, are going to be fun to watch. Rashad Lawrence is there, Braylon Addison, but then there are some guys returning. Shamad Chambers was injured earlier in the year. He gives them some Canadian depth at receiver. I know Mike Jones isn't Canadian, but he had some... That guy was a deep threat last year, made a lot of big plays for Uh the Ticat offense, but I, I think the Canadian talent in Hamilton has me really excited. It, it breaks my heart to see a guy born in 1995 playing in the CFL, meaning man, I think my time's passed. But David Ungerer III was a guy that was known as eligible for the CFL draft quite late. But they've got him lined up at slot behind Luke Tasker. If you have a Canadian playing slot back, that is massive for your team. And, and we saw that with the Riders for all those years with the with the Canadian Air Force, as they like to call it, and it makes a huge difference, uh, especially at that position, uh, you know, a, a skill position. And it, no, don't get me wrong, Luke Tasker, hell of a slot receiver. Uh, but if he does get hurt, Unger can come in, and you know they're able they're going to be able to to find a position where they're going to have. It, it's kind of like a weird depth to have a national behind. Behind, uh, screw it. It's really weird to have a non-import behind an import player. <laughs> you have a tough time. Uh, <laughs> Change is bad. <laughs> uh, but like, if Unger has to come in because Luke Tasker's out, it opens up for an American to go on the offensive line or you know somewhere else on the field. So that's it, it, a yeah, it's huge. And if he turns out being better than Luke Tasker within a year, uh, Luke Tasker's going to. Find him. Might, I don't. I'm, I'm saying for sure, but he can find himself on the outs looking for a job. Well, and Tasker has had injury issues mm-hmm. in the past. He he's not a guy that plays you know 18 games every year. No. So to, to have the depth at receiver, even after letting letting Jalen Saunders go, mm-hmm. I, I think that's big, big for that Tiger Cats team. Is Saunders going to land anywhere? Because Man, that guy can play, and I'm kind of surprised yeah. nobody has taken a shot at him yet. Does Montreal have room? <laughs> they might. <laughs> that would be my guess. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> right? The Alouettes aren't bad on paper. And the Alouettes are your 2019 Grey Cup champions. Could you imagine? It could happen. Yeah, we've we've seen them be good on paper for years, and then... Go three and sixteen. So what's, let's not let's what's, not count our chickens. What's the futures bet there? Plus eighteen hundred for the owls. Yeah, yeah. That that was last time I checked. I'll pull it up right now. Oh, you might as well throw something down there. <laughs> oh, don't don't tempt <laughs> don't me tempt with a you? good time. <laughs> you think I'm a degenerate gambler or something? Yes, I do. <laughs> think or no? I know. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, before we go to the Western Division and uh, 
what the odds are for the Alouettes winning the Grey Cup. Saying thank you to ATB Financial for sponsoring Two and Out this week. They have brought in the no-fee, all-in digital account. You don't want to deal with that extra mail, that extra fees, anything like that. So go all digital, and you don't have to pay any fees. you got to love that. You can bank, borrow, and save all in the same account, zero fees. You can qualify for the line of credit as well. And then you've got the unlimited digital transactions and free Interact e-transfers. You get the interest on balances over $1,000. So Brazilian tie, this sounds like the one for you. With all your gambling that you're moving, like your online money and everything like that, you better sign up for this, my friend. Yeah, but I just use my credit card and I get PC points. <laughs> well, <laughs> how do I? How do I? Uh, so now, that? so now I'm now I'm in a bigger hole than I than I should be. <laughs> Make the switch. Get your no fee all in digital account at ATB Financial. Check them out at atb.com. Ty, what's the odds of the house? Plus 1600 All right. So $100 will win you $1,600. I like that return. Like, it's not bad. If you're like me, uh, put down, uh, take your bottles in and then uh, bet that on the Alouettes. Travis. <laughs> Wait, I think I did my math wrong. I think I've got seventeen dollars uh, worth of bottles, so I might be okay. I might get oh, about no, I did forty my math bucks right. back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take my bottles in, so. Do you not recycle? Um, that's not what I'm saying. For the for the amount of booze you go through, you've thrown like hundreds of dollars away. <laughs> I got no. A, I got nowhere to keep it. Yeah. And I, if I don't have to go down the stairs, I don't because I've got to come back up the stairs. <laughs> I, I I feel you there, man. I feel yeah. you there. <laughs> that was a sweaty mess today. <laughs> Let's go to Winnipeg where, you know what, offensive line might be the most intriguing part of camp in Winnipeg. And I I think part of the reason that Winnipeg has become the favorites in a lot of people's minds is because of the continuity there. And what's really Mm -hmm. interesting going into this season, though, is that it's the last, last year on Mike O'Shea's deal. And a lot of the time, coaches don't go into the last year of their deal. They've got a guy waiting to be a head coach in Paul Lapalise. We've got another team hoping to come into the CFL. If that gets figured out this year, could Mike O'Shea be the guy to get the schooners off the ground? I think that almost makes too much sense. Uh, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't, like coaches going into lame duck years, it's. It's basically Grey Cup or bust for the Bombers, or for Mike O'Shea anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, another loss, uh, whether it be in the West Semi or the West Final, uh, they'll they'll move him out and, and bring Paula Police in, and I don't think there'll be a whole lot of debate about it. Um, and, yeah, like you said, if they get the Atlantic Schooners off the ground and they need a coaching staff, I, I think Mike O'Shea would be the top candidate if he doesn't have a job. You know what? It's actually incredible how long he's been the head coach in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. It has been since 
what, 2014 now? By far the longest. He's the longest tenured. Longest tenured head coach in the CFL. I know that uh, Calgary had a seamless tradition or transition between Mm -hmm. Huffnagel and Dickinson, but he's been the guy in Winnipeg for quite some time. And nothing to show for it. Uh, I would imagine that that front office is starting to be like, okay, it's time to crap or get off the pot. Uh, and I'm not saying it's all on Mike O'Shea. Like, you know, the the GM has to take some some blame for for putting the roster together. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it'll be Mike O'Shea that'll be the GOAT. And, you know, Kyle Walters will keep his job for an extra couple of years before he has to make another change. You get to fire one coach. Yeah. In basically any sport, you get to fire one coach uh, as you're saving grace. So if if they don't win this year, or well, I, even if they got to make the Grey Cup, I don't I don't think they got to win it. But if they can make the Grey Cup and and you know it's it's another step, it's some improvement. I think he's got a chance of staying. But if they don't, I think he's out the door. So the Bombers O line loses Matthias Gosen to retirement and Suk Chung to BC. So there's going to be some changes in the interior on mm-hmm. that offensive line. They waited on Jeff Gray, kind of a long-term uh, deal with the uh, draft pick there. So he's probably going to start at right guard. Michael Couture probably the center. And then Patty Newfeld over on the left side. But they have depth there still after losing those two all-star caliber O-linemen with drafting uh, Drew Desjardins in the draft this past spring. But that's going to be an interesting position to watch for the Bombers. There's going to be a battle linebacker for Jovan Santos-Knox's position, who is off to Edmonton. And how big is that signing of Chris Matthews Opposite of Darvin Adams, all of a sudden the Bombers have two big-bodied receivers for Matt mm-hmm. Nichols. You have to assume he's happy with that. <laughs> uh, if he's not, he's got some issues. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Canberrell Tompkins hasn't reported to camp, so there's kind of a battle mm-hmm. going on for the fifth receiver spot in Winnipeg as well. Rashid Bailey so far has been the guy. Uh, with the inside track to that position. He was actually on BC's practice squad in 2015, and he was a part of Carolina's final cuts last August. So we'll see what he does when uh, we're at game speed for preseason games next week. Yeah, and Kimbrell Tompkins was a serviceable yeah, receiver. Yeah. He, never, he never really had that, uh, you know, where he would be a monster for a stretch. Uh, but, you know, if they can... No, figure out the O line. You got to keep Matt Nichols upright. I think is number one because with Chris Matthews and Darvin Adams, you need Matt Nichols healthy to get them the ball. And that all starts with the O line. And and we say it week in and week out. You, like, I know you lose you lose a line battle and you're not. It's really hard to win a football game. Uh, and and I get that. You know it's. Like you said, continuity has been huge, but things are going to turn over at some point, so we have to see how how uh, Boomers are going to handle it. And by the looks of it on paper, and, and you look at how they drafted it, they should be okay. Another team that needs to keep their quarterback healthy. I mean, the Bombers at least have Strevler to back up Matt Nichols, but the Riders behind Zach Caleros, it is looking pretty grim. I know 
There <laughs> is uh, Cody Fajardo, and uh, and there's David Watford. But Calaros is going to be the guy that gives them the best chance to win. So the offensive line battle in Saskatchewan is another place where it is wide open. Dan Clark is uh, not there yet. He's had uh, the car accident there, and uh, apparently he's okay. They they do want to make sure he is 100% before they get him uh, Mm -hmm. back onto the field. So it looks like Labatt has been uh, taking the snaps at center there, but they've got a new rookie coming in. Uh, Well, he was with the NFL a little bit, Dakota Shepley there. Uh, Thaddeus Coleman is there and it looks like him and Labatt are the only two guys that are guaranteed a spot on the offensive line. I don't want to say guaranteed, but it'd be pretty tough for Labatt or Thaddeus mm-hmm. Coleman to lose their positions on the O line, but there's a lot of bodies playing for only a few spots in Saskatchewan. And maybe, just maybe, they might be able to dress more than six offensive linemen if they have this many in camp. It's possible. Which because they don't have Eddie Steele anymore, so yeah, <laughs> you know that I know that it didn't really come back to bite them in the ass that much, but it's still this just a sticking point with me. Like you, you talk about depth, and, and we talk about it all the time, and how deep some of these teams are. I, I just didn't understand how you only draft when when guys are going in and out as much as they were last year. Uh, you know, getting it's so easy to get an ankle rolled on. You're you're kind of playing with fire to to not have guys dress, but. Uh, you know, competition in camp is is really good, regardless of of who it is. Uh, it makes guys step up and and uh, play better and and you know perform better in front of the coaching staff. So if they can find the right, if they can find the right mix, and if Dan Clark's okay, the O line should be okay. And like I said, Dakota Shepley, uh, when they drafted him a couple of years ago, we kind of knew he wasn't going to going to come to the CFL right away, but we also kind of knew that he was that good. So uh, here's hoping. <laughs> Receiver spot's going to be interesting as well. The new mm-hmm. Canadians have kind of been banged up. Picton has been hurt. Justin McKinnis, Braden Lenius has been hurt. I, I think we're going to be watching uh, KD Cannon and Kyron Moore make some plays this year. But I do want to shout out to Manny Arsenault. What an absolute monster. He had a ACL injury in August and he's been at camp making plays. Most guys are out for at least a year after that. That is insane. Like, I play two games of slow pitch on a Saturday, and I'm out till Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like It just shows his work ethic. It's, oh, absolutely. It's off the charts there. And, and commitment to his rehab, obviously, too. Uh, you know, if. To go through torn ACL and, and have and you know go through the surgery and then rehab and you got to make sure you're diligent on it, not not overworking it and making sure you're doing all the right things. And uh, it, this, I don't want to say that it's a built-in excuse, but I don't foresee a good nine weeks for Manny Arsenal opening nine weeks yeah. as per usual. Um, you know, a couple touchdowns here and there, but I wouldn't expect much with a torn ACL. Five what, nine months ago? It's a little crazy. Uh, It looks like Jamal Morrow is a name at running back that has been impressing early on. He went to Washington State University. Maybe he is the backup behind William Powell to start the season. 
And we talked about quarterback controversies in Toronto and maybe how that will help James Franklin. It's got to help a guy like Zach Caleros, who they did not name the starting quarterback until basically the last minute. A lot wanted Brandon Bridge to be the guy, and then he ended up getting hurt in a preseason game, and that position was kind of a mess last year. He comes in Hmm. knowing he is the guy, And he has to be the guy for the Rough Riders if they want a playoff spot in the West Division. So uh, maybe that's got to help his psyche as well. I I think it absolutely helps him mentally, but we cannot have a repeat of last year uh, with with the injuries. Uh, When when he went down in week two with the concussion, uh, we kind of knew that the defense is really going to have to step up. And, you know, with the additions they made on the defensive side of the ball, the defense doesn't worry me as much as I thought it would. Uh, Zach Claros being behind center worries me because he has not been the same since his injury in 2015 or 2014. Uh, and, you know, he has not been the guy that has scrambled and ran for for big plays and, and made plays with his feet and, and thrown on the run. Uh, you know, he's just, it seems like he's tentative and he's not the same quarterback. And it, if he can find trust in his O-line and the O-line can protect him and he can become that pocket passer uh, that he needs to be. And, you know, he still, he can still run and, and you know, escape trouble. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, if they can protect him, then he should, he should have a good year. The only thing I'm worried about is the injuries. Let's talk about Calgary now, who ended up releasing running back Romar Morris. Uh, if you played fantasy last year, you know that he had some monster mm-hmm. games late in the season. He did suffer an Achilles injury late last year. The Stamps are going to be rehabbing him. Maybe he'll be able to join the team later on. But Kadeem Carey was with the Chicago Bears of the NFL, and now he is in Calgary, and he has been fun to watch, So, I mean, the three-headed monster might continue at running back for the Stampeders with Don Jackson, Terry Williams, and now Kadeem Carey. Uh, it looks like if the Stamps could go all-Canadian at defensive tackle. And overall, the defense is going to be the spot that's going to have the most turnover mm-hmm. for the Stampeders. They lost some horses on the defensive line. Uh, at linebacker, they lost Alex Singleton. So that'll be a position to watch. Uh, Lamar Durant has gone on offense. Richard Sindani has been, uh, I guess, making some plays at camp. But maybe two guys we need to watch. Gump Hayes looks to be the guy replacing Siante Evans. And with a name like Gump Hayes, that's got to be top five best name in the CFL. Um... Yeah, currently, I would have to concede currently. that. Currently, yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Uh, looks like Deshaun Amos uh, will be one to watch at halfback as well, taking over for Emmanuel Davis. Up the QE2 to Edmonton. The Eskimos bring back Martise Jackson. I don't know why, but the return game has just been a black hole for the Edmonton Eskimos. Basically, since Gizmo's been gone, that is an understatement. <laughs> Jackson made some plays last year, but I mean, if the schemes aren't there, it's not going to help anything. No, that that's one hundred percent. If you can't, if you don't have your blocking schemes uh, down pat and the personnel to run them, 
Uh, it really doesn't matter who your return guy is. It's going to be really hard to break the big one. They make some releases as well. Mason Woods, offensive lineman. There was a part of the James Franklin trade. Defensive tackle Mikhail Brooks is gone. And at wide side linebacker Adam Konar is gone. But that's kind of expected because of the linebackers they brought in. And Larry Dean, Don Unamba, and also Javon Santos-Knox. I would say receiver might be an interesting spot to watch in Edmonton. Devaris Daniels and Greg Ellingson, they're going to be starting. Ricky Collins probably is going to start there as well. But what about the other two receivers in Edmonton? That will be an interesting battle as we move through camp because there are a lot of guys that uh, come in in Eskimos. There are a lot of guys that come in in Edmonton. There's another guy, Bryce Bobo. That might be another one uh, that is in the running for best name in the CFL. But there's some vets there. <laughs> Kenny Stafford, Kevin Elliott, and the new Canadian that came back from the NFL after a few years, Tavon Smith. So Edmonton still has depth and options at receiver despite all of the losses. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Uh that being said, after Greg Allenson and Devaris Daniels and Ricky Collins, you don't need to have, quote-unquote, the playmaker, right? You don't need to have the guy that's going to break huge plays. Uh, Ellingson, Collins, and Daniels should attract enough attention themselves uh, that whoever they put in that spot, uh, you know, should be should have some opportunity to, to draw weaker coverages or, you know, weaker cover... Uh, weaker corners and and make a little make some plays and and become I don't want to call them possession receiver but like a, a safety valve for uh, Trevor Harris uh, and you know it, the guys that they have there Matea J has been there he finally is able he's finally starting to get uh, get some snaps and and a guy like Kenny Kevin Elliott and Kenny Stafford uh, don't forget and Anthony Parker. Yeah, is there like it's there's going to be competition for those four and five spots, and you know they'll probably have and then they'll have the practice roster. They're going to be deep at receiver, uh, and that just seems to be seems to be the story in the last couple of years. If you were wondering about Brian Mitchell, he ends up getting released by the Arizona Cardinals, but was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it might be some time, if ever, we see him back mm-hmm. in the CFL. So he goes from one team with no quarterback to another team with no quarterback. So that should bode well <laughs> for a wide receiver. <laughs> we go now to the West Coast. The BC Lions, who over the last week have signed Adam Konar, so he's probably going to be starting on the defense for the Lions, who their linebacking mm-hmm. core takes took some hits in the offseason. They bring in offensive lineman Brett Boyko, who the Lions have been waiting on for a long time. He was spending some time in the National Football League, so I'm sure Mike Riley is going to be happy to uh, see him back there, but he was drafted by the Lions. Holy man, was that was 2015 now? Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's about time the uh, the guy from Saskatoon gets up to the CFL and he'll be playing for the Lions this year, at least to provide some depth before mm-hmm. he gets up to speed with the Canadian game. There's that word again: the, the depth. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, can, you can never have enough fun of it, especially in in football. Almost any sport, really. I mean, granted, baseball and basketball, you don't need it as much. Uh, but just the – and it's not even organizational depth. It's just depth on the game day roster you need because – Every play has a chance to end somebody's season, and you need somebody there that can fill in instantly. Uh, and so, you know, it's never a bad idea to sign enough guys where you're like, to, if you have tough decisions to make coming out of training camp on who to cut, then you're in a good position. I think a lot of people thought John White's CFL career would be coming to an end, but he had a resurgence mm-hmm. with Hamilton last year, and he is the inside track as the starting guy for the BC Lions. I think one. Uh, Battle to watch is probably the defensive end position opposite of Odell Willis. I know uh, Odell's been in the league for a long, long time, but they got some horses uh, competing for that spot. I, I want Ebenezer Ogundeko to get that because okay, that, that would is be- the best name in the <laughs> CFL. <laughs> that would instantly be the number one name in the Canadian Football League. But Darius Allen might be the one being able to rush the quarterback opposite of Odell. But who doesn't want to be on that defense opposite of Odell? I was just going to say, that's going to be the most coveted position on that roster because you know that you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones. And and you're going to have a chance to shine, which means you're going to get a chance to get paid. Got to like that. I, I wouldn't hate it. If I work opposite of you, would I get paid? Um, like as my assistant? Yeah. Yeah. How much? What's what's the starting salary? Uh, double the work, half the pay. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Seniority, bud. <laughs> oh, man. So that does it for talking everything training camp. Uh, the battles are going to shape up over the next week. Injuries are going to happen. Cuts are going to happen. But we will be back next week to talk about that. Plus, we've got a game coming up this Sunday. The BC Lions are in Edmonton. I don't think that Mike Riley will take any snaps, but man, it's going to be good to have some Canadian football back. Mm-hmm. It's Brazilian tie and Travis Cura, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I want to give a shout out to Kyle Marshall, who is the host of Putting It Together. They just crossed the 10,000 download mark, and it's a look at Stephen Sondheim's body of work. If you haven't heard the name, you've probably heard his music. He is a a composer, and he has contributed to a lot of great movies. Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods. You gotta never check saw it, that never out. Never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you goof. Uh, he does have an Oscar, so that shows you how good he is. Mm-hmm. So check out Putting It Together with Kyle Marshall, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Check out all the other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Ty, will I see you at the Eskimos Lions game on Sunday? I am a definite maybe. Definite maybe. Yeah, well, it depends on how the slow pitch goes on. I'm not. I'm not playing, but I think I've been volunteered to babysit. <laughs> really? Everybody's bringing their kids. You they are the babysitter. <laughs> they said they'd pay me in beer. How do I turn that down? Oh, this is gonna end well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll wear my GoPro. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. 
Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.